Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Arts In. I'm Barbara St. Clair, your host, and what you're going to be hearing is an interview that I did with Jim Ralston. We recorded this podcast a few months before Jim unexpectedly passed away. We thought a lot about moving forward and releasing this podcast, and our producer, Sheila Cowley, reminded me that Jim recorded this to share his perspective, and I hope you enjoy it very much and get a sense of really the wonderful person that Jim Ralston was and why he is and will be missed by the community here in Pinellas County. Opposites are absolutely necessary for each other. So when you start looking at, for me, in life in general, it's, a, it's a, an interesting dynamic that needs to mesh. I have what I call a, a balanced tension. There's a lot of soft colors and soft lines, and then you have some ragged, hard-edged, hard color, hard texture. And there's a, there's a balance to that. You and I know each other through a number of different ways. I know you as an artist. You have had a gallery, the Red Zen Gallery. So I know you as a gallerist. And then I also know you as one of the leaders of PAVA, the Professional Ar- Association um, of Visual Artists. So talk to me about PAVA and what PAVA does and why you are involved with it. Well, PAVA was formed a number of years ago by artists who were looking to create a venue for their art. They decided that they would form a a nonprofit organization just for visual artists. And they went and sought venues that they could actually put together shows to display the members' artwork. Thus was birthed Cool Art and Too Cool Art, two of the biggest shows that PAVA has annually. Then over the years, they started developing other venues, smaller venues throughout the entire Tampa Bay area, galleries, malls, businesses that that would allow small shows. So over the years, it's, it's developed. There's 160 members of PAVA in the area. And there's still the two biggest shows we have are the Cool and the Too Cool show until we partnered with Creative Pinellas and became a member of the Incubator. And now we have another major venue which was absolutely uh, astounding to be able to get that that space and be able to work with uh, Creative Pinellas. And that's the big gallery that used to be the Gulf Coast Museum. That's that's correct. We had our major uh, member show in the gallery. We had 143 pieces of art that were displayed, both 2D, which are paintings, and uh, 3D, which are sculptures. The show was an absolutely phenomenal success. And quite frankly, I must tell you that the members were just overwhelmed. It was like it being in a museum and they had their work displayed in a museum. So we had a pretty good crowd there for the opening night. There was probably over the night uh, several hundred people and it was fabulous. It is a former museum of art, so it's built to show art. It has very high ceilings, really beautiful walls, and a beautiful way of moving around the facility to see the work. Absolutely. And I saw the show, and it was an amazing presentation of artwork in this community. And it's a juried show, so people won prizes. Yes, it is. That's the one thing about Pava. All our shows are are juried, Uh, even the small pop-up shows. So the, you, you have a higher quality art and a higher quality artist that are participating in all these. So if you ever see a sign that says there's a Pava show, you can be assured that you're looking at professional art. And one of the interesting things to me about Pava is that it was an action uh, or a series of actions to solve a specific problem. That's there true. There were artists 
They were not finding venues to show their work. They were not finding ways to reach their audience. And they banded together and said, we're going to find a, a solution to this. That's absolutely true. And that's what's so exciting now about the uh, partnership with Creative Pinellas and the Incubator. It just, it's opened another door. And with what's going on in Pinellas County with the arts in general, with the explosion of, of artists coming to the area, the interest in the art, the support of the arts, well, we're just the, at the front edge of another movement forward. It's just phenomenal for us. And I see nothing but good things with, with the whole art scene in Pinellas County. I understand that you were trained as a professional artist and then for quite some time you didn't pursue that professionally and then you came back to that. I was always interested in the arts. I was one of those uh, kids that uh, when we had an assignment, say in geography, everybody else would do a book report and I'd be the only one carrying in a 3D plaster of Paris map with everything laid out on it. And it was just, I just love creating things. And I did that up through um, my early uh, adolescence and then uh, I guess life gets in the way. We do different things. Um, military got in the way and got married and had to, had to get a job. But I was always practicing art. And I was in an engineering field most of my career, which lent itself a little bit to the creativity. But when I got to be about 10 years away from my retirement from that career, I pulled into the Dunedin Fine Arts Center because I, I went back to my base, my art. And I took a class and said, well, you haven't lost the, uh, the touch. And I took a few classes there and then went back to school and got a, a degree from Ecker College while I was still working the last, uh, last couple of years. Got a degree in visual arts. So that when I retired, I had a really solid base of not only the technical aspects of the art, but also art history. And that, that, really, that really enabled me to, to look at things differently. And that's why my art is more, for me, is more of a spiritual experience. It's, it was just amazing that, that once you were able to get into a, a project or a piece, time just flew. I would be working on a piece for eight or ten hours and not even know that it was, I was working that long on a, on a piece of art. And the, and the, and the, the people that I met and the, and the classes I took, um, I was especially interested in the Tao and the, the whole concept of the Tao. The, the Tao is uh, spelled uh, T-A-O. Uh, which is something when uh, when I first heard it, I was thinking DAO and didn't really know much about it. But it's uh, the ancient teachings of Latzetezu, and he explains the effect of the opposite attracting and and how it's necessary for us to be involved in in the 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 spirit of the of the universe and how everything we do affects that. For example, you get to the point where you even start thinking about the space between the space. Two pieces of clay or two pieces of paper, there's a space there, but there's a space between that space. And the, the thing that really resonated with me was the, the whole idea of the, the opposites needing to, needed or necessary for life to exist. Uh, it was just phenomenal. It's what sets everything I do. I guess that's the guidance in my art I guess when I first got started, I was always got a little excited about it. It didn't turn out exactly what I wanted, but now it's that's the way it was meant to be. Uh, if something breaks as you're you're creating it, I just look at it now and go, okay, now what am I supposed to do with this? And we move on to another direction on that same piece. And most of the times, it really is fantastic. 
And I, I'd worked with a sculptor, Q Yamamoto, for a number of n- number of years, and, and he used to say, when when things didn't go right, he said, you know, that's the way it was supposed to be. And he's right. And and I follow that now with my art and in in life in general, everything is there for a reason. So my art really is a result of that. Color shapes. It's all part of the experience, and it really is an experience. And what I want to do when the when the art is finished. I just wanted to have a have the viewer have a reaction to it, good or bad. They need to have a reaction to the art. And that's what I strive for. You got your degree at Eckerd as a, a, an adult, which seems to me like a pretty big commitment. So it's one thing I think to take classes, but to go for a degree, that's, you know, that's all in. Even if you're still working, that's all in. And, and, I, and I wanted to be all in. I guess um, I, I didn't want, at this stage of my life, I just didn't want to do this as a hobby. I wanted to learn everything I could possibly learn about art, how it was created by the masters and why they did what they did. And, and along those lines, a lot of it you find the art is a, a really for people, ancients, was a spiritual experience. And, and that all led and built upon the Renaissance art up through today. When you go back and look at the, uh, the Greek sculptors and the, and the Roman sculptors, some of that art still sets the standard for art today. And it's just phenomenal that you were able to do that. And it, I, I, I think for me, that was one of the, the eye-opening experiences with those kind of things, that, that what was done 3,000 years ago is still still here today. And quite frankly, because I was, um, I was in classes with a lot younger people, and that they had a, an energizing effect on me because they had a different perspective than I did on a lot of things. So it, it added another whole dimension to the way I thought about things and the way I handled things. And that, that to me was the greatest thing about going back to school at that age and, and getting that degree. And maybe that's what really, once I got started, I couldn't stop. I just kept going. Is that where you got interested in the Tao when you were? Yes, absolutely. And that had to do with some of the uh, the uh, art history type classes that I was taking. And and see, that's a, a dimension that, that I wouldn't have gotten if I had just taken technical courses. But it was that, that added piece that got me thinking about life in general and, and how the art affects life and, and how, how my inner being affects my art. They walked into the gallery today, what they would see is a series of very large, uh, I consider large, three feet by four feet, six feet by four feet paintings, but they're painted in, in very um, vivid, vivid colors. There's a several on the wall that would show um, street scenes of uh, Siena that are painted in a whimsical coloring with uh, abstract uh, windows. And then there's a Tuscan castle, for example, that you see just the hint of the castle in the background, but then you see all of the, the haze and the red colors and the orange colors from the, the Tuscan sun. So you would see a lot of those, those, those type of paintings the sculptures, uh, there's a number of really uh, heavily textured uh, facials. I do a lot of more based on ancient religious as far as the, uh, the way the heads were developed and the way the facial expressions are on the, on the sculptures. 
Well, I want to say it's very powerful. Yes. It sort of stops you in your tracks a little bit. Yes. Uh, and, and that's, I guess that has been my style. Uh, a lot of it comes from, again, the, the, the attempt to have a visceral reaction from the viewer, a real uh, dynamic when they see the bold colors and then they contrast with a, with a, a heavy texture or soft uh, line with a shape. Kind of seems to me to say wake up. Well, you know, that that could be, but but again, there are, there are some where where the color may not be quite as vibrant. I, I tone things down based on something I've seen. The series I'm working on now, the um, cityscapes are diametrically opposed to the bright colors of the the Tuscan trip. They're more um, muted blues and browns and oranges, and but again, what what's there is this this tension between. The colors that are on the on the uh, canvas, mm-hmm. but primarily um, most of my paintings since are are very vibrant. Uh, maybe that's the Florida influence, where they're bright oranges and yellows and blues and and just the way it turned out. I never started it that way, but it just happened that way. Yeah, it has its own life. I began to look at things. Um, from the perspective of opposites are absolutely necessary for each other. For example, in order to know um, beauty, you have to know ugly or vice versa. To know good, there has to be bad. So when you start looking at, for me, in life in general, it's a it's a, an interesting dynamic that needs to mesh. If it doesn't mesh, that's when you have the chaos. But But if you can learn how to Make the make the two of them fit together, then you then you have something. The the art you know, that um, I try to do is is I have what I call a a balanced tension in a lot of the art that I use different colors, contrary colors, uh, shapes, um, textures. So it's really really what 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 I strive for is when when the viewer sees that final piece, that that there's a subtle blending of this tension. There's a lot of soft colors and soft lines, and then you have some ragged, hard-edged, hard color, hard texture. And there's a, there's a balance to that. If you get too much of one, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work for me. And that's what I want the viewer to see, that, that there, there's, there's this, this, this thing up there that's creating a tension, but it's, I like it, or I don't like it. So. That's what I try to do in almost every piece. My sculpture is the same way. The sculptures have a, a different look, a facial appearance, um, texture, size. And again, when the viewer sees it, they look at it and go, hmm, they have an experience. By listening a feeling from the viewer, they, they either have this good feeling or they, they have no feeling or they have bad feeling. But again, it's the, the balance between what they're looking at and, and what I've produced. When you talk about the, the the viewer likes it, you were drawing, moving your hands and pulling towards you. And when you were saying maybe they don't like it, you were kind of pushing your hands away. So it seems like a... Uh... It's yin-yang. That's the basis of, of my the Tao, was a yin-yang. And a matter of fact, the very first piece of art I ever produced for a publication was the uh, yin-yang. And it was, um, again, in my style, um, texture, colors, and everything has grown from 
from that point on, from the yin-yang all the way to what I'm doing today. You know, and the art I was doing seven years ago is, is different than the art I'm doing today. It, it evolved, but it always kept that basic tenant, where there's always this tension behind the work, either in the way of texture, line, or, or color. I start with one idea, one concept, and it'll, it'll be on the canvas or on the sculpture with the clay. I, you know, when I start it, I've got an idea, but I don't know how it's going to wind up. I've been hearing that a lot from artists lately. Yeah, and, and I think that that's the, the thing that keeps us going, is that once you start, once you can get, you can get past that blank canvas or that, that block of clay and start to move it, that's when the spiritual aspect takes over, and it just keeps moving. And the more involved you are with that piece, that's when you lose track of it. You're, you're in what I call a zone, and, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. I, I do sketches. I mean, I sketch everything I'm gonna gonna start with, but I must tell you that by the time that that work is finished, it, a lot of times it's not even close to what that sketch was, and you just got to go with it. I mean, that's 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 my style, or my feelings, or or the way I view things. So you just got to let it where go. Where does that it that you're going with come from? I think it comes from within. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's only art is a, is a, is a feeling. It just comes out. That's the only the only way I can explain it. It's it's the it. It's it just it's there and it and it just comes out. And sometimes it does come out and you just have to walk away. And you'll come back two weeks later or a week later and go, hmm and you just start again. You work in two-dimensional with paint, and then you work in three-dimensional primarily with clay? Yeah, clay and, and um, some uh, metal. I do some metal sculptures, but primarily in clay. I'm expanding to some different uh, mediums now, probably looking at some uh, uh, large concrete type. They've, they've got so many new uh, things out that you can get to use. But primarily clay is where I started, and I can, I can mold things and move things. I've, I have my own kiln. And the studio is big enough that I can also work on some big, big pieces. So how do you know whether it needs to be a painting or it needs to be a sculpture? Typically what I have is I have at least two paintings and one or two sculptures all going at the same time. And I think that that plays off each other for me. My, a lot of my work has texture in it, the painting, the 2D has a lot of texture. I use a lot of texture in the background. And I think that's influenced by the, the clay and the, uh, the sculptures. So when it's time to start a piece, what motivates that? I may, you know, I may, I may, I may see a sculpture, a uh, large sculpture in front of a museum somewhere, and it'll, it'll just resonate with me. Or I may be driving down the street and see a, a billboard that's got shapes and colors on it. Or I may be talking to somebody, and we'll have a conversation. And uh, that'll key that. Uh, for example, I did a series on um, faceless, uh, faceless women. And that was a result of, I was at a dinner, and it was one of those rubber chicken dinners, and we had everybody sitting around a table, and you know, people are trying to talk to each other, but they really weren't talking to each other. It had some people on cell phones, and then, you know, they all, we all left as friends, supposedly. And then I went home, and I got on the Facebook, and I looked at, just looking at it, and I realized that I have like a thousand friends. And I got to thinking, you know, if I met them on the street tomorrow, I probably wouldn't know who they were. So that started the wheels turning, and, and I developed a series of, of paintings that I call Faceless, 
and it was faceless in the park, faceless in Siena, faceless um, uh, Saturday night. So that's how things get started. And so, what are you working on now? Uh, actually, actually, I have a series. We just took a trip to um, Canada. Newfoundland and Nova Scotia, uh, New York. We took the kids to New York. So I have a whole series of uh, pictures of uh, cityscapes. So the camera was full of these shapes and stuff. So I'm working on a series of abstract cityscapes and uh, two sculptures, head sculptures that were uh, a result of a picture I took in the park up there. And so that's what I'm working on now, but uh, we'll see how they turn out. And you said you have four or five things that you work on at any given time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it keeps me interested because it, it, things are just firing all the time so if I if I didn't have that many things to do I just I'd get frustrated I really would and I think that's why the medium I pretty mo use most of the time is uh, acrylic I do do oils some watercolors but the, the acrylics are for me are fast because they, yeah. they dry and yeah. I can move and I can do things well it, it takes a little bit of time and I've got to be in that that zone that's and that's why the abstracts for me are uh, they're exciting because you don't know how it's going to turn out, and you, 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 there's a lot of energy that can be put into the into the painting, as opposed to um, a realist. And I'm not knocking the realist, but for me, I need the energy. You had a gallery for a while in St. Pete. I've lived in the area, believe it or not, 46 years, the Tampa Bay area. After I finished the degree. I realized that most of the people that I knew in the art field were in St. Petersburg. And I had a sense, you could just tell back then, that there was something happening with the arts. I convinced my wife that, that we needed to sell the house and move to St. Petersburg. Oh. <laughs> so um, we, we did that, and I, I had a small gallery space on the 600 block in the St. Central Avenue in St. Petersburg. And I had, uh, I used to work in that space, it was a small space, uh, but I had a lot, of, a lot of traffic, and I had the paintings and the, some sculptures in there, and that was really, really neat. That was the very first thing we did. And then um, the space got a little bit too small, and we decided to build a house. So I went to the Warehouse Arts District and, and um, got in a warehouse, actually right across the way from where Three Daughters Brewery is now and uh, worked in there for a year and a half and had a gallery space and was open on second Saturday and did a lot of work there because it was a big space. So once the house was built, it was always my plan that, that I would have a room to put the studio on the property and that I did that. And uh, so now I work out of the studio in the, on the back of the house and uh, I work with different uh, venues to show my art. And, it's been fairly successful so far. So you were at the 600 block in Central and the Warehouse District, and both of those, at, they were up-and-coming, very active environments. Yes, well, and they, they and again, we were, I think we were on the, the cutting edge of that. The Warehouse Arts District in St. Petersburg is just exploding right now with the, with the arts. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's where a lot of the art in St. Petersburg has moved, mm -hmm. is into the Warehouse Arts District. So that's sort of like the... Uh, the hub of the arts in St. Pete. So do you miss being part yeah, of that? Yeah, I, I, I do. I matter of fact, the, the longer I'm away from it, I was talking to some of the artists down there that, you know, I only see every once in a while, but I miss the interaction. Yeah. I didn't think I would, but I miss the interaction with the other artists. I think that adds another dimension to your, your whole being. That community and the energy that comes from being with other people really stimulates a lot of creativity. Absolutely. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. 
And that's why, as you pointed out, that's why I'm excited about the incubator, because I, I see nothing but good things coming from that. And certainly from an organizational standpoint as PAVA, it's just, it couldn't be any better than that, to be able to have that kind of interface. Well, perfect. I think that's a, a really a quite nice ending for our conversation. This has been a great conversation. It has been really a pleasure. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you, Barbara. Jim Ralston, artist, leader of PAVA, and community leader as well. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast with Jim Ralston. If you are so moved and would like to make a contribution to the Jim Ralston Emerging Artist Fund, you can do that through the St. Pete Arts Alliance, and there will be a link and some information on this webpage. This is Barbara St. Clair, and you've been listening to Arts In, also known as AI, the Creative Pinellas podcast. Sponsored in part by the Pinellas County Board of County Commissioners, visit St. Petersburg Clearwater, and the State of Florida Department of Cultural Affairs. Arts In is produced by Matt and Sheila Cowley. You can find more conversations with visual, literary, and performing artists and in-depth arts journalism at creativepinellas.org. Thank you for listening.